episode 15, Steady Chat in the Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Charlie, and on this episode, we'll be talking about some real Canadian shit, racism or idolization, gentrification, and skinheads and ska music. And you'll be hearing music from the far side, the Idolatry Pop Orchestra, Odyssey, and Desmond Riley. On this channel, you can expect to hear content on cannabis, product reviews, interviews, interesting news, discussions, music, and whatever you like. Let us at Steady Snap and Productions know what you'd like to hear on future podcasts so we can keep giving you what you want and what you need. Join in the conversation. If you are a visitor or just checking this podcast out for the first time, don't forget to subscribe to get more content. Now, let's go. So this segment, we're going to talk about some real Canadian shit at Timmy's. Yes, she took a shit in the middle of the restaurant and proceeded to throw it at staff. Dutty. And? Never heard about it? All right. So let's talk about this one. Here's some real Canadian shit for you. I'll start with why. So this event took place in Langley, B.C., at a Tim Hortons, which is a franchise that is pretty much a common thing to see on like every other intersection on in almost every major metropolis in Canada. It is our um, is our coffee um, provider <laughs> for the most part. And uh, so Tim Hortons, they have a policy where they can reserve the right to restrict access to their toilet facilities. And it's not just Tim Hortons, because I've been in McDonald's before where to get to the washroom, you have to be buzzed in by the workers. So, I mean, that practice is not something that's abnormal. Okay? Okay. So, staff refused to let this lady in to use their washroom due to, and I'll quote the article, past behavior and out of concern for the immediate safety of team members and guests in the restaurant, end quote. So, washroom or no washroom, this lady, who obviously had to use it, went to the washroom. But in the middle of the restaurant, B, like, we're not talking about in a corner where no one's looking, like, it, where people are lining up to go order food. Zine. Okay, so you got the clear picture. Next. Uh, what wasn't clear about that was if she was a paying customer or if she just busted through the doors asking to use the washroom. Either way, um, just the fact that, uh, I mean, like, it doesn't matter whether she was a paying customer. To me, you would have more rights to using the washroom if you were a paid customer, like in most establishments. But, I mean, if somebody has to use the washroom, use your discretion... Do you think, I, I don't think the, the, the employees there thought this would have been the outcome or they'd have probably just let her use it, true? But either way, so she takes a dump in the middle of the, uh, of the restaurant, then she picks up her poop and starts throwing it at all the staff. <laughs> then she grabs napkins, wipes her ass and starts throwing that also at the staff. So she was eventually picked up by the Langley police and released with a promise to appear and charges pending. So, I mean, she still wasn't even charged for defecating in public, still wasn't actually charged for indecent exposure in public, which is two charges right off the top of my head that she'd get pinned with. 
uh, if I were the uh, um, arresting officers. But then again, you know, Charlie, Charlie ain't even going to be an officer. That's some truth right there. Uh, but fat shout out to all the cops out there who aren't crooked cops, who aren't throwing people's children in jail just to fill a quota. And they're actually going out there trying to make this country a better place and make the city safe to walk around in. You know what I mean? But that's not my thing, man. Either way, I feel sorry for those staff members working um, on that shit. I mean, that shift. <laughs> Brings a new meaning to throwing bombs, eh? Now, recently, an Edmonton teacher from Strathcona Christian Elementary School dressed up as Mel B for her school's talent show. Not a problem. She was one of four judges who dressed up like the judges from America's Got Talent. Also not a problem. There was a Howie, a Simon, a Heidi, and a Mel B. Also not a problem. The issue is, the teacher is a white woman. Can you understand the problem? So the topic that we're having right now, or the discussion that we're having right now, is, is this act an act of racism or an act of idolization? So, with the whiteness brings up the discussion of a practice known as blackface. And for those who don't know what blackface is, I'll reference Wikipedia. It popped up in American National Art in 1848. It is practiced and uh, predominantly performed by non-black performers or actors and actresses. It gained popularity in the 19th century and contributed to the spread of racial stereotypes, such as niggers are lazy, they're always broke, always begging. As a male, we're depicted as womanizers. We're just dumb. So these were some of the stereotypes that it enforced because those who acted as if they were of African descent, the white actors would paint their faces black and paint their lips red and just act completely bizarre, act like, sometimes they act like monkeys. So this is what blackface is about. And I completely get the connection between the teacher dressing up as Mel B, who is a black singer or uh, artist and uh, I, I understand that connection but the teacher is dressing up as Mel B and blackface right she is in character with all of the other teachers who were judges for this talent show right some say her actions aren't racist but in a way she's idolizing black people she's showing her love and support for black people by dressing up as one. The lady put on some bronzer and threw a curly wig on people. Like, get your panties out of a bunch. You know, I might not get the popular vote for this one, but when black women get their noses straightened, put on colored contacts, wear white, lighter foundation than their complexion, straightening their hair to look more white, until that practice is considered as whiteface, I got no motherfucking problem with this lady dressing up as Melby. I mean, think about it. We have people who have no problem going to the tanning salon. Are we referring to that as blackface? We have a lot of people who, let's say professional bodybuilders, they put on this bronzer. Does that call that? Does that consider uh, classify as blackface? 
I mean, you're white. You are putting a darker complexion on your skin. Is it because the complexion isn't extremely dark or that you're not painting your lips red? It's not considered blackface? Or are motherfuckers just nitpicking, trying to find an argument when there really isn't one? Me personally, your host, Steady Snapping Charlie, I don't have any issues with it. But Colin, let me know what you guys feel. On my podcast, where I touch on the topic of um, the prison industrial complex, I spoke of a term that's known as gentrification. And it is something that has been going on for a long time, many, many generations now. But people might not know that there's an actual word for it. I first stumbled upon this word when I was studying at U of T. And uh, so the term is gentrification. What is it? It is the process of renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to the middle class taste. This can look like um, when you're in a lower income community, your rent being raised up beyond the rate that you can afford to pay. Um, It could also look like um, the stores in your community are being uh, changed. And I don't mean like renovated so that it has more space or it's a, I'm talking about change the entire store to a store that sells products that either doesn't fit the demographics of the current community, or it could be that they make the prices so expensive that you can't even afford to buy the products in the store. Right. Um, but it could get as extreme as an entire community being knocked down, a low-income community getting uh, demolished, and in replacement of it, put up a condo. Once again, moving poor people out of an environment which they once considered to be their home, and now making it inhabitable by them. Okay, so um, how can this possibly impact communities differently? So, me being from Toronto, me being from Scarborough, I grew up in a neighborhood called Cataraki, and there was a lot of gang war between um, our neighborhood and Regent Park, let's say. And they're talking about back in the 80s, early 90s, lots of wars between these two communities. And I was in Toronto still at the time when gentrification was tearing up uh, Regent Park. They ended up knocking down, I don't know if they've managed to knock the whole projects down, but they knocked down at least three quarters of it while I was still living there. And they moved a lot of the residents from Regent Park into Cataraki. I don't know if that was planned to continue this division within your own community, but you have rival gang members being moved into a rival gang neighborhood. Without a doubt, there's going to be social conflict. There's going to be that riff. And some people aren't mature enough to let beef go. So a lot of people will die in the process and have been injured and their lives have been negatively impacted as such. All because they wanted to knock down Regent Park and turn it into condos where 
the people from the hood can't afford to live. They say improve the environment. Okay. Um, another example of how gentrification can impact the community. I was watching an interview, breakfast television with um, Charlemagne and his crew, where they were interviewing uh, Damian Marley, one of the Marley sons, Mr. Welcome to Jamrock. And he was explaining that in Jamaica, the Chinese, the Asians, are buying up a lot of the land, buying up a lot of the property, and then um, the fear is that they own they end up buying so much property that they end up owning majority of the land of Jamaica. And at that point, they have the power to kick all Jamaicans off of their own country, out of their own land, out of their own communities. Simply because, I don't know. I don't know if it's that Jamaicans don't see the value in their land. Or if it's something as simple as they just need the money, they want the money. They have bigger plans. But in the process of wanting these bigger plans, you're giving away the soil that you were birthed on. And you give away too much of it. You can't call it yours anymore. But these are just some examples of how gentrification can possibly, um, in some cases, destroy the social fabric. But in many cases, just cause newer challenges that need to be resolved so that not just rich people, not just poor people, but everybody in general has the ability to live in peace. You know, a lot of guys who live in the projects and a lot of girls too who live in the projects say, yo, this is my hood. I'm my hood this bridge and you can't talk to me. You can't talk to me. You can't walk in my neighborhood. You can't even wear the right wrong colors in my neighborhood. I shot pussy or people for fun. You know, you hear that. But when you think about how gentrification is ripping the hood up, what part of the hood is yours? If this is really your hood, make a stand for it and start buying back the land. You know, make this hood actually be yours instead of a place that you're just paying rent at. Now I'm in. So the topic of this segment is skinheads and ska music. So most people are oblivious to the fact that not all skinheads are white supremacists. Not all skinheads are neo-Nazis. And if you really look at the history, the foundations of the skinhead movement, it might blow your mind. The original skinheads looked very similar to the white supremacist skinheads. Uh, they dress almost identical. And why is this? Or how did this come about? How is there actually two different groups of skinheads? Well, I'll fill you in. I believe in the 1960s, the skinhead culture emerged, evolved out of um, British culture. Uh, rude boys and skinheads would, just like the Rastas, show their rebellious nature through how they uh, present their hair. So most people had decent haircuts, and as a Rasta man, you don't cut your hair at all. So you show society that I'm rebellious. Um, in this case, they skin their head, they bow their head down really low, and they listen to ska music. They wear their tight jeans with their Doc Martens laced all the way up, wore their suspenders. But ska music was a major factor in the type of music they listened to when they were socializing. 
and they'd skank it down. Um, I've, I've seen videos where Rasta men and skinheads skanking it down to uh, the old school reggae music. It was just a blessing to see because I thought all skinheads were white supremacists. They all want to kill niggers. They all want to stomp your face in. All aggressive. But the truth is, the group of white supremacists that took on that dress code and that style came after the original skinheads set up shop. So when you start looking into skinhead culture, you'll find that skinheads refer to the white supremacist skinheads as boneheads. And as a result, there is an ongoing conflict between the two. One other thing, when the foundations of the skinhead movement came and then the white supremacists decided that they're going to try and wear the same dress code and uh, there used to be lots of fights. Just the fact that they were trying to present themselves as the original skinheads, a lot of the original skinheads would kick ass when they'd find white supremacists beating up on people who are of minority, who were seen as visible minorities. They jumped in and kicked ass to defend those who are visible minorities, just to maintain and uphold that love that they have for all people. So, just a little insight on that connection, just in case you never had that opportunity to sit down with an original rude boy skinhead. Next time you see one, tell them Charlie said what up. And that's it. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Keep tuning in for more interviews, good music, and great discussions. If you have a topic that you want to hear about, then message me on Instagram at Snapalotagus. That's S-N-A-P-A-L-O-T-A-G-U-S. Or message me through Facebook at Steady Snapping Charlie. Keep following me on my travels and feel free to take me on some of your travels as well. These podcasts can be downloaded and saved onto your device or stock up on episodes for road trips or to just help you pass the time. I'm your host, Steady Snapping Charlie. And this is Steady Chatting, the podcast.